Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. Uh, this week, I'm super, super excited to be joined by a young man who actually reached out to me and said, hey, James, can I come on the podcast? And I was very, very welcoming because I feel we are in a very similar strategy, uh, me and him in the same kind of strategies that we do in terms of property. Uh, one thing that really amazes me about this guy is as well, he actually holds down a full-time job at the same time as getting involved in quite big um, property projects. They're not just kind of your run of the mill, put a bit of paint on the wall, some new carpets and be done with. These are proper, proper developments that need some thoughts. So shame on everybody out there who says they don't have a time because this guy's going to put you to same. So lo and behold, Seth, Rahan, I'm really pleased to have you here on the j podcast. Thank you very much for joining me this evening. James, thank you very, very much for hosting, man. It was, uh, it's an absolute pleasure I think the uh, one of the main reasons why I reached out really was I watched a few of your episodes with a couple of guests that are really good friends of mine. And uh, the one thing I really, really liked about this podcast was that it's just a nice, really simple chat. And you just, I think I've been meaning to get in contact with you and, and, and connect anyway. And I thought, why not better to try and uh, grab a space on your uh, on your podcast, mate? Yeah, I'm always like, you know what, it really makes me happy when people reach out and say, hey, James, can I come on your podcast? Because it's just like, hey, man, look, ain't no one special. I'm just I'm just an Indian guy down in London hosting a podcast. And I love doing what I love doing. And that's pretty much just having a chat with like minded people. So you're more than welcome. uh, And thank you for coming on again. So if I'm going to mix this up a little bit, I'm going to start with a question that most people don't start with. I want to ask you, buddy, what is why are you doing all this, man? Why are you in property? Why are you working so hard? And what is your driving force behind everything you do? I think the um, to keep it simple, and it is simple. In my head, I always like keeping things simple. Um, for me, I had a beautiful baby boy. Well, I didn't. My missus did. Uh, a beautiful <laughs> baby boy um, around 10 months ago. And my big reason why is I want to be in a position in two, three years' time where I can take him to school, pick him up, drop him off, take him to mosque, take him to all of his extracurricular activities, sports clubs and what have you. I want to be the one that takes him places around my day job and structure my day around him. So I want to re- I really want to be in a place where it's um, it's having the time to do what I want, but the, the things that I want to do is is to spend ultimate time with him. No, that's a, that's a very, very strong why, man. Like yourself, I'm a father to two well, to two boys, one's 10, one's four. And again, I know you can tell you later on, I don't look old enough. I'm too young to have a 10 year old. Most people do, but I'll skip that bit for now. Yeah. But being a father like yourself, man, it's, I think it's very, very important. Like, especially what you said there about taking the children to school. Um, that's a, I find that to be a very, very big privilege, especially as I see a lot of fathers and a lot of mothers who have to drop their children off at seven o'clock in the morning. And they're just literally rushing to work and, they're coming back late at night when the kids all tired. So you lose that kind of special bond with them and that special time. And it's good that you identify that because I think, especially being an Asian young man like myself, um, 
it's probably frowned upon a little bit, you know, in the Asian community. It's like, why do you want to be going to pick up your son? You should be working all the hours God sends. Send your missus to do this, you know. Uh, I'm sure you'd agree with that, no? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's uh, it's the it's it's the it's the worst thing of getting into that position of where you've got a full time job and you know all of a sudden you have to come and explain to your mum and dad why you're leaving a uh, a fixed guaranteed salary, as they call it, uh, to embark on a on a journey in property. But um, yeah, man, like the special reasons why is 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 what pulls me through in really really dark times, and and property is full of dark times in my eyes. Mm-hmm. let me ask you then so why why property for you man why why was it the whole property two reasons man two reasons so the first reason generally is um typical homes under the hammer been watching it best part of around 10 years um and it was just you know the the, the bit that struck me at the start was where you see a project that's been going on for 30 like, let's say three months sorry and all of a sudden the narrator just comes out with yeah Billy's going to make a pre-tax profit of 80 grand. And you're like, what the hell has this guy done in three months to make 80 grand? And I'm here slugging it away uh, for, at the time, a 16 grand basic graduate salary. What the hell am I doing with my life? And uh, the other side of things that I really liked was how they were creating really nasty places into beautiful places to live. And for me, that was the thing that really, really hooked me on. It was just that creativity, knowing what to do, how to knock down walls, how to mess around with the floor plan, how to, you know, bring a, a really large kitchen or sorry, a really large bathroom and turn it into a bedroom and then move your uh, bathroom into a smaller place in, in a big room. Just, yeah, I just, I found it so fascinating. And then now fast forward to where I was probably a little bit more elder, being a, uh, a young Pakistani guy based in Manchester, We've got a big Asian community here. And every single person that I saw within the Asian community that was at some point flossing it or doing whatever, they were dabbling in and around property, had been, have been, will be. They, they were in property somehow. Um, and, and yeah, for me, it was, it was the big golden key that I need to unlock to get to that level of my life, to be able to achieve some of the things that I want to achieve. At the time, property was that golden key. Didn't have a clue about it. Didn't know what that golden key was or whether that golden key was going to be unlocked in 15, 20 years time when I had a nice, uh, you know, 40, 50 grand pot. And then now learning what I know, um, the reason sort of property is interesting to me is, is it's not just as simple as buying a house, renting it, and that's it. There's so much more to it. And that for me is, is what hooked me. If it was as boring as just buying a house and renting, I don't think I probably would have been interested. But the fact that all the problems and the the, the ups and downs come with it, it's, it's yeah, it's just sealed the deal for me. No, that's a that's a very very good way of looking at it. So, how did the first project start then? So once you said that's it, I'm going into property. Did you automatically? Because I know you're in you're into HMOs. Did you automatically go into HMO, or did you try every single strategy under the sun before you found the one that worked for you? Yeah, it was a little bit of the shiny penny syndrome. Um, you you start off, started off with sourcing, and 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 with sourcing, you know the the typical tactics that they have it in on Facebook. You put you know dummy posts out on group and try and build up mailing lists and and what have you, and and then that wasn't working for me. Then went down the rent to rent route, didn't work for me. Tried lease options, assisted sales, didn't work for me. At that stage, 
I had I was putting so I was putting so little effort into things and expecting things to just be quick wins. And um, as soon as I saw something just didn't fit in with the lifestyle that I had at that time, and it didn't work, and it was too much of a struggle, I just moved on to the next strategy. And whether that was a right or wrong sort of thing, that you know, I don't I don't really look back. But that's how it went on. And then I started to then think, right, okay, th- this is probably six months of flash by now, and started to then think, right, okay, let's get let's get back into sourcing, but th- let's let's see if there's other ways of doing it. I was like, plotted everything and thought, right, I'm finding the deals first. Why don't I start with the investor first, which was what my biggest issue was at the first time round. I'd looked at it, spend the time there, and then think, right, okay, let's let's then look for the deals. So I was going around, and then I could be picky and choosy about who I wanted to work with, as opposed to the other way around. Something, someone was was on my wavelength that believed in me, understood what my reasons why were, built built upon that, and then all of a sudden, got to know a, a really young guy who's based in Oldham as well. Um, he's an active landlord. I was going to be sourcing for him, and then thought, right, let's do a bit of fact finding, understand what he owns at the minute. Realized he owned a two-bedroom, two up, two down, right next to Oldham Hospital. I thought, you know what? That's that's like prime HMO spot here. You've got two reception rooms, two bedrooms. Maybe you've got a loft. Why don't we think about, you know, the HMO here? Let's go and view it. When I viewed it, I was like, yeah, easy. This is a HMO all day long. Four-bed HMO. Knock this wall down, this wall down, bloody blah, blah, blah. And that's all I had in my head at the, at the time. That was my only understanding. Knock some walls down and put a bathroom in and yeah, what do you do? Got an HMO. And uh, little did I know a week later, we met up again just to catch up. There's me getting that happy. Do you know what? I'm, I'm still build, you know, building my seven touch points and what have you and this and that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes, right, Seth, there you go. There's the keys. Let's get a, let's get a HMO started. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. What have I done? What is this? didn't want to go into HMOs. I wanted to stick it nice and safe and buy to let's. What have I done? And uh, at that point, I had four weeks to reconnect with every single investor that I knew that was doing HMOs, catch up with them, understand their mistakes, what they were doing wrong, what advice they had to give, learn all of that, jotted it all down in notes, started to get recommendations for builders, took builders rounds to, pro- to this project, walked them in and just like, whoa, there you go. Make me a HMO from this. This is what I want. Four bedrooms, four bathrooms. These are the plans. Off you go. Quote me, please. Right? Didn't know what spec of works were. Didn't know where none of this was. And uh, I just didn't have the time. Like, I'm the type of guy that I like getting things perfect before I do them. It's just in my nature to do that. And I had this one situation where I just, uh, it just didn't, nothing sat right with me. I couldn't be perfect in what I wanted. I just had to go with the times because I had so little time in between. And the amount I learned doing that and getting through and building everything, getting a spec of works list by, by getting four or five different uh, builders to quote and then comparing quotes, building that, seeing it through all the way to the end, designing where my beds wanted to be at the start, learning that experience from other investors that I got to know through Instagram and Facebook and what have you that were doing quite well. And sooner or later, I then got a uh, second project from an investor who found me through Instagram, who saw the content that I was putting out for the first project. And then on the back of that, they came up, saw that, and we bought a property around the corner from there while that was going on. And then now we've just come to a finish point of that second project now, 
Um, so it's been a very, very action-packed 10 months. And a really, really fun, interesting fact is my little boy was born on the same day that the first refurb started. And ever since then, it's just been bang, 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 bang. Like just 20, everything's just been at 20 miles an hour. And only mm-hmm. now with COVID is where things have just come to a halt. I've really, really got to spend some time with my young lad. And mm. um, it's just, it's put a massive, massive perspective on things. It's taught me what I need to do. Um, and now I'm in a really, really good position where we've got a deal going through legals with a JV investor. Never thought I'd ever been in a position to attract a JV investor. Got a JV investor who's going to be putting all money down for a development that we're going in 50-50 on. So that'll be a two-bedroom property that we're buying to convert into a nine-bed HMO. Wow, so how do you convert how do you convert a two bed into a nine bed? <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be doing side extensions and dormer conversions. Um, right, right. We have the option of either going for the nine bed or going for a seven bed. But if we go for the seven bed, we'll have four bedrooms on the first floor with all with having um, sort of masonette deck uh, bed decks in the room. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So either way, I'm quite excited because it's 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 a massive step up from the, from the from the standard four beds in my eyes. We've got another property that we are very, very close to having an offer accepted with the vendor to pass over to another London investor. Um, that will be a source and project management deal, um, the fourth deal. So that will be a three bed that we're hoping to convert into a seven bed with a, with a basement cinema room mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to the opportunity of, of, of having two projects going on. One where we've got some equity in the game. One where we we're, we're building on our experience even more, um, and you know, just continually trying to put out some more content about what I do, um, and yeah, and just share the journey with as many people as possible. No, that's uh, that's good stuff, man. I think I think people forget that you really need to put yourself out there if you're trying to attract the right people, and partly the reason why I do what I do as well is because at some point you know you're a property investor yourself at some point no matter how big your pot is that you started with you're going to run out of money and i can foresee that happening with myself in in maybe a year's time 18 months time that my own money and my own cash flow will run out and i'm going to need to draw attention from from uh, from investors so i know it's kind of frowned upon as well in the asian community you know you've been asian as well i get the line as well oh, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to tell everybody? Uh, Everyone's going to hate on you, you know? Uh, and I hear it all don't the time. Tell, don't, don't tell people how you do your business. Don't tell them yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to, yeah, exactly. And I try to say, hey, man, mum, listen, it ain't like that no more, man. This day and age, people work together. Absolutely. You know, she's like, what? Somebody's going to lend you money? I was, yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> I remember when I told my boys, that um, I've got a, I've got an investor who's willing to put all of the money in and go 50-50. It's like, why the hell would he do that? Why would he? It's just it, it's just a really really backwards Asian mentality that we that we tend to have within within the Asian community. But yeah, it's it's times are changing massively. Do you know what it is, Seth? I think people don't understand, and this is quite a common mistake they make. They think that just because an investor is coming along with money, they should have a larger portion of the deal. And I try to educate people on this. I say, look, you're giving so much of the deal away. You're not holding any value to your own skills. You know, you've done three, four, five HMOs. You've built up the power team. You know how they need to be structured. You know how the en-suites work, where you're going to get your furniture from, who to hit up for this, you know, what to do here. There's a massive value. In fact, 
there's probably more value coming from you than from your JV partner because all your JV partner is doing is bringing one thing. That's the money. You are bringing all the expertise. So this is what I say to people. When you have a 50-50 deal like that, there's a very good damn reason for it because even a very good JV partner or investor will see that the value someone like Seth is bringing to the table is far more valuable than my 100 grand or my 150 grand on the table. And it's just, it's just riding through them. It's just, you've just got to work through the investors. Just as we work through our deals, we put our offers in. We, we go cheeky with our offers. If someone doesn't like it, we move on to the next offer. And it, you, you sort of got to take that with investors. If you, you, you've got to stick by your law and you've got to accept that this is what I need for, for, for you to be able to use my time, right? This is what value I can bring. We got the opportunity to create a massive portfolio together over a long period of time. But if they're not willing to accept what you want, move on to the next person. Try and work and find that person. It took me probably conversations with at least 20, 25 people to get to this one JV partner where I knew his visions aligned. He's not going to have a conversation with me that I know that where he's going to say, Seth, don't spend that much on a kitchen. You don't need to have that style. Because then he's not on my wavelength in terms of how, mm-hmm. I, how I want to invest. And this guy is all for it. Which is which is why like fifty million ticks needed to be in my head before I even thought about going with it. Yeah, yeah. I say to people, I say, you know, there's a big difference between an investor, an angel investor, and a JV partner. You know, you got to look at it as an investor is like a girlfriend, a JV partner is like a wife. You know, <laughs> that's how that's, that's really how good. I all. <laughs> really this good. is how this is how I describe it to everybody. Your your angel investor is like that girlfriend you've had for a few months. She gives you some shit. She's gone. Awfully. You have to stick her out for a small period of time. Your JV partner is there with you for a while. He's going to tell you, you need to do this. We're sharing bank accounts. He's got control over this or she's got control over that. So if anybody wants to know the difference, an angel investor is like a girlfriend. A JV partner is like your wife. You uh, ain't getting uh, away from that shit. Uh, man, that's, that's, that's top quality stuff. I, I'm going to keep that one. I'm going to borrow that one. <laughs> make, make sure you credit me on that. I will do. But, I will um, do, definitely. So going back to your first deal, how does it's all complete now, the four-bed HMO, how does that work for you? I mean, in terms of, was that solely funded completely 100% by an investor? Yeah, so I sourced that and we project managed that deal for that investor. Um, and we basically handed that over to a lettings agent and we stepped out of the picture. Well, I'm not stepped out of the picture. I'm still part of the circle quite close um, because the investors that I generally do tend to try and work with are there for multiple purchases. So it's not in my interest just to say, hey, there you go. There's a lettings agent, toodaloo, off you go, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that, that one was completely, we had no equity in the game. We, had a, we took a fee for doing the whole refurb, for design, designing how we wanted it to be, um, kitting it out. Um, we did a lot of research and it was very, very nerve-wracking to get to the end of it and, and be in that position that I have, you know, crossing your fingers, praying it's going to rent for what you put on your spreadsheet. Um, so we did our numbers based on £100 a week for the first one. And that was a that's pretty much standard for a double bedroom with an ensuite up here in Oldham. And... We managed to achieve about 120 pounds a week per room. Oh wow! So okay. it was pretty decent. It worked out to about 300 pounds a month extra in rent. Um, the investor was massively, massively impressed. Um, if anything, it sealed the deal a little bit more with our second investor when they saw what rents we achieved. 
just by having a little bit of thought, not necessarily on putting a yellow wall up or putting yellow paint on the wall, but more so on the functionality of HMOs. Mm-hmm. How is somebody going to be using this property to live? And as soon as you answer those questions and implement small things, like small things, James, like putting a light switch by the bed, you don't want your guy to walk out and go all the way to the door and switch the light off. Small things like that is 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 where I think you know what you, is the difference between a really really bad HMO and and something that's that in a tenant's perspective can be quite mesmerising. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you there. I mean, my last HMO is in the northeast. Again, it's a six bedroom, all en suite, back to brick renovation. You know, we bought it at auction, and again, I had a project manager on that because I can't manage something all the way in the northeast and live in London. Um, Am I happy with it? Yeah, very, very happy with the quality of it, the finish of it, the way the project came out. What would I do different? I would probably style it a little bit different, but I was running out of time towards the end. So it was, you know, I ain't going to lie to you. It was white walls, one feature, gray wall, gray carpets, very decent furniture, looked very good. The bathrooms were high quality. But for me, if I was going back now, it'd be very much design led. You know, I'm a designer by trade. I come from a design background. So for me to just be doing whitewash is uh, pretty much kicking myself in the yeah. teeth, you know. Uh, but I fully understand where you're coming from, man. Like, I think the HMO market has really, really stepped up, you know, especially, you know, with the with the likes of uh, May Green, B-Space, all these lot. It's, um, it, you, you can't just have a shit double bed with a little sink in the corner and expect to rent that for top money. It just doesn't work no more like yeah. that because it's, too many people out there that are doing it to a better, better, better standard than that. So I hear you on that. I hear you. So, so coming back to your first project, so you charge say a sourcing fee and a project management fee and you held the investor's hand from the start right towards the end. Absolutely. And that's where you exited. Okay. Okay. No, that's a, uh, that was, that was my foot in the door. Um, mm-hmm. That was, that was enough opportunity for me to, to provide value to that investor but at the same time for me to understand and learn the ropes all the mm-hmm. way like you know for me there's just something in my eyes that that i i always naturally have a lot of fear and i was never in the position to you know to be in a place where i could start trying to raise investment at that early on stage it was too early for me there was no way i was ever going to do it and i then thought right okay if i've got that fear let's embrace it let's accept it how else can i do it and project management was the only way that I knew that I could get experience of the refurbishment element. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I mastered the refurbishment element, then I know everything else will marry into place. And my skills that I've got from my day job, everything will, will just work. And I'll, I'll be able to get on with it. But the project management side of things is something that I really wanted to do myself. Something that I'll probably outsource in the future at some point. But right now, I'm quite enjoying it. I really like the idea. Like I mentioned from Holmes and the Hammer, which is, turning a really dingy place and making it into, into, into something nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now you've got a JV partner on board, your next partner, your next uh, project's well under the way. What's the, what's the goal for yourself in terms of your own portfolio? Cause obviously at the moment you're involved with partners, you have equity based stuff going on and you, you, you've got equity in projects now. What's uh, what's the plan for your own portfolio? Well, two things really. Um, the portfolio for me is probably the second step. The first step is to try and get out of work at some point, but not really rush that um, because at the end of the day, it pays the bills. It's uh, it's it's quite important. It's quite steady. Um, can't make any rash decisions too quickly. 
there's two ways that I can do that. First is having a passive income to replace that salary. So a couple of things that I've thought about is is getting into service accommodation once everything calms down and 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 getting into that form of way. The second way I've thought about things is uh, is building up a bank balance to get to a stage where it replaces my salary and I can draw down a salary every month. So for me, whichever one comes first, but no preference. I'm really not going to rush things. I've got two to three years to get to that stage in my eyes for where I know my son's going to be going to school. So I, I, I'm not in it to you know build a quick penny straight away. It's that long-term strategy and building it to where we know, right, okay, if, if, if we do, let's say, if we do five or six projects next year, we'll be there. I'll be out of work. And mm-hmm. and for me, that is what's 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 getting me through. I know I've got two projects to get me going with. I need to n- try and find a couple of more deals. Probably get to a stage where I've got four running at one time, and then I know right, okay, that's a sweet spot in my head. Once I've got mm-hmm. four running at one time, as soon as one comes to an end, right, put another one onto it. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's either we do it through sourcing a project management through the second way we build up the pot or passive income through JVs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then no, once I'm out so. once I'm out I can then really think right okay how, how can I turn it up a level what can mm-hmm. I get to? have I got money that sat there then right okay that I can then leverage off another investor where I can say to them look if we're going to be leaving 40 grand in this deal it's not going to be your 40 grand it's going to be mine but at this minute in time I'm, 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 I'm not there and I would never ever tell somebody to invest in me if I had doubts of, of ever paying them back. So hence why I've not gone down that route to yet, just yet. No, but it's good. It's good that you're already thinking about that. You know, you have a plan there outlined on what you want to do. You say you want to get out of your job as soon as you can. Do you want to tell the listeners what you do and what your typical day involves? Yeah. So I'm an accountant. I work for a company based in Oldham. Um, not going to mention names, but, um, yeah, a company based in Oldham working a finance team. Um, work really long hours, especially right now in COVID because the finance teams are generally the ones that are meant to know all the answers about what is happening with furloughs and pay and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that has been something that's been going on for five and a half years since I graduated. And it's everything I've ever known. Accounts is something that has taught me massive 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 things in terms of process in terms of project management in terms of deal analysis in terms of investment appraisals everything that has been so transferable into property in one way or the other to understand and think right okay if we make this decision if we spend an extra two grand on this kitchen how much extra rent are we going to get right okay that's going to actually put our return down overall so yeah we're not going to we're not going to take that business decision it, it's, it's taking the skill set of managing millions of pounds and then trying to manage a refurb of a couple of thousand stuff, a couple of thousand pounds. Um, so yeah, it, you know, accounts is great, pays well. Um, I have, I'm in no rush to get out as quick as possible. I'm not going to take any ballsy move of, of handing in the notice and then figuring it out later. It's just going nice, easy baby steps. Once I'm in a place where I know, right, I'm comfortable with this, then I can, then I can think, right. Yeah, this this is where life really turns up a level. Do you enjoy your day job? To a degree, to a degree. Do I enjoy it as much as I did? No, nowhere near. I think property has taken has taken its toll on me. Um, 
there's so many times where I'll be sat there at work and my mind's in property, but I'm sat here in work. Um, I've got deals going on. I've got stagents emailing me. I've got builders ringing me. Seth, what do I do in this? What do I do here? Blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, it's just, you, you can't switch off these, these things. Um, and it's, it, it's tough. It's tough around a day job managing all of it. So it's, uh, it brings its fair share of challenges, but you know, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm loving it at the minute, man. You you actually answered my next question there. I was going to say to yourself, how many times a day are you sitting there mesmerized thinking, <laughs> if I wasn't doing Mr. Khan's accounts here, I could be picking a kitchen, I could uh, be styling a bathroom, I could be there on site with my digital measuring tape, yeah, measuring yeah. sizes. That must happen a lot, right? Yeah, man. It's uh, the amount of deals I've lost and viewings I couldn't get to. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. The amount of off-market deals that have come where I've only got a two or three hour window in a morning where there's no chance in hell of me getting to where I've had to just turn down the deal. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been unbelievable. So I know like, I know deep inside me what I think I'm capable of if I was full-time in property and what I can achieve. And, I'm, and, and, it, and it excites me. And that's the only thing that keeps me going to get to that stage where I know, right, okay, just a little bit more pain, a little bit more suffering. And then I know, right, okay, that's when I can enjoy it. So for me, the, you know, the, the prospect of, of getting to five, six o'clock, mate, and turning my laptop off and, and just switching off and spending time with the family is just, it's heaven to me, but it's just not possible at the minute because there's a, mm. there's a journey that needs to be, that needs to be completed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you, man. I hear you totally. I, I, I've been there myself. So I, I know exactly what you're going through, the emotions, the feelings, and, uh, it will be worth it when you when you hand in that resignation as as sad as you will be to lose your security um you'll be buzzing as well at the same time let me ask you you say you're you're always working as i can see you know you finish your day job you go into your evening job how does that affect your relationship with your wife is she quite supportive on what you do very supportive yeah very supportive but very very tough at the same time and I'm sure you can you can sort of appreciate that. Um, we can we can constantly you know I I have the big problem of switching off and thinking everything is sweet around the world, everything is all good, and you come back and you just get it. That's it. You just you know you realize you've missed moments. You know, for me, where it was is that the difficult part is where I'll get back and I'll, I'll I'll catch up with the missus, and my missus will show me videos of what my son's done all day. And I've not been, I wasn't there to see it. And for me, that's where I thought, right, okay, this is that it's game over this now. And it's, it's how do, how do I, how do I get to, how do I get to do it? My biggest problem is the work life balance. I never know when to stop because I can just plow on and I'll plow on and I'll plow on. If someone doesn't come to me and stop me or I haven't got other plans made, I'll just sit there for hours upon hours and I'll just work. I'll just mm-hmm. get through stuff. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's the one thing that we that we constantly try and better ourselves. And for me, is 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 bettering that work life balance. Um, you know, it's for small things like blocking your calendar out. It's really really easy things to do, but even I fall short of it sometimes. I'll I'll, I'll reduce the family time and squeeze in another little conversation with someone. And and yeah, man, it just it takes its toll. And and. and it, that is extra more fuel for me to to get to that place where it was. And for me, the biggest lesson was with 
with family is they don't give a crap about the extra money that you're going to be making. They don't give two dams about it. Where I was falling short was, was what language I was talking. You can talk the language of money, but as soon as you talk the language of time and what you can then do with the free time is when I truly started to get the support at that point. Is when she understood, right, okay, if Seth does this, he's going to be able to do this more often. Whereas if I said to her, if Seth does this, Seth can earn another thousand pounds at the month for a month, and she's like, "Well, I don't want that thousand pounds. Why do? Why the hell do I want a thousand pounds for?" Mm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's just it's learning that language, and as soon as you sort of get it right, for me at the minute, it's so difficult to master work-life balance, and just I'm struggling. I've got such a support of misses who gives me clips around the ears every week. But then at the same time, just supports me on and just pushes me that little bit further as well. So, yeah, man, it's it's tough, but I'm blessed. No, it's it's important that you've identified that, man. Just, just you know, I've, I've been married 12 years and I've seen it go up and down and up and down. And it's very, it can very easily go down, you know, and uh, trying to maintain that level of where everything is calm and everything's blessed can be difficult. I mean, only this morning I was having a conversation with my wife over over a coffee and you know she said to me she goes look James you've got too much going on man you've got you got the podcast you got property projects you got video series going on and this she goes you need to home this shit down man she goes you really need to focus your intention on what's working for you and what's going to have some kind of outcome from you in the end rather than trying to do everything because you're going to burn yourself out and you're spending less time with us like you know I'm like you so if I can sit here on the desk and I can carry on working, 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 working. And literally the only thing that will stop me is the minute I fall asleep here at the desk. And, you know, that is generally a good sign to say, okay, now's the time to get into bed and just work away. And the worst thing is having a spare room in a house with a spare bed. That's just a curse. Because oh, man. what that means is the rest of the family can be sleeping in the house. You can be working and they have no idea what time you're working till because you just crash out here <laughs> once you're finished and everybody just thinks you went to bed on a normal yeah, hour, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it, and, it's a, and it's a curse. It's a big, big curse. And like you say, getting that whole balance, that work-life balance is, is important, man. And I think for you, once you leave the accountancy, your life is going to become property. So I don't think there's going to, you're not going to need any work-life balance because you're going to be loving what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is going to become your whole life. I'm. I'm gonna. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Honestly, man. Like it just. It. It. It gives me. It gives me the chills. I just can't wait. Literally, can't wait for it. That's good, man. I'm excited for you because I've been there myself. Mm. My. Uh, my next question to you, Chef. I'm an investor. I'm coming to you. I've got 150 thousand pounds to give you. I'm gonna say, hey, I've heard you're the man. You're the handsome bald man that makes people a lot of money here in Manchester. What can you do for me, man? What's the journey? What are the steps you're going to take to find me a house or find me a Well, first thing that I generally tend to do is we'll have a nice conversation in person, preferably. If we can't do that, we'll have a telephone call. If we can't have a telephone call, we'll try and do a really brief text message exchange and just say, right, okay, what are you after? What, what, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve capital appreciation? Are you trying to achieve cash flow? What do you want out of this 150,000? What, what are your pain points? Do you want to own a portfolio? What's your reasons why? And based on that, you can sort of depict as to whether an investor is one, after a JV, 
Two is an angel investor. Three, they want to build their own pot. Now, if they want to build their own pot and they want to build their own portfolio, what we'll generally tend to try and do at that point is, is we'll go through a very, very brief, not education phase, but more so, right, okay, what do you want to get out of a HMO and how do you appraise your HMOs? I'll teach them about how I appraise my HMOs and what I what process I tend to do. I'll share my deal analyzers with them so that they can use them at that stage. And then going from there, we basically then appraise deals in the same way. If I send them a deal, they send me a deal, I know they're talking the language that I want them to talk. So, and that's the, it's massively different because it's all well and good you saying to me, Seth, I want 50% ROI, right? But you're missing X, Y, and Z costs from your numbers. And I say, James, this is making 25% ROI, but when I take those uh, X, Y, and Z costs out of my numbers, it's, it could be making 70% ROI. And at that stage, you'd be loving it. So it's just getting them two things right. And that's the, the one issue that I have. So making sure that we're talking the same language. And then as soon as we've done that, I will not do a project until I've met that person in person. I would invite that person up. I will show them around. Typical orientation days. Don't charge for that stuff. I'm not into that, right? You come down here. This is my time. I'll show you exactly what I'm doing. This is my area. This is my patch. What I'm about, what type of deals I can give you and what we can get. And then as soon as we wrap that up, you look at next steps, we start analyzing deals. And then we think, right, okay, I'll send a deal to you. Say, look, this is my numbers. These are pictures. This is a floor plan. This is what I think the offer needs to be. And this is what the max we can go to. What do you reckon? Should we put an offer in? Boom, we put an offer in. And then we just wait for a deal to get accepted. As soon as the deal is accepted, we just crack on. And that's that's generally my process from there. But there, mm-hmm. there's enough touch points in there for me to scope out whether that's an individual that I want to work with and enough touch points for the investor to work out whether Seth is the person for me. And in that process of time, I am 110% confident that when they see the processes and what I do and the detail that I look into things, they'll be very, very impressed with with how much integrity and, and quality that I work towards. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that I could tell you how many pieces of wood have gone into my HMO. I've got that detail ready for you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, knowing, right, this is what I want to do and showing passion that it's this is the reason why I'm doing this. This is how I've done this. And this is how you can do this. I've got that all documented, ready to share to an investor. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's good, man. So, so if I said to you, yes, uh, Seth, I'm ready. I want a HMO strategy. I want it for a cash flow strategy. I'm not really fussed on capital appreciation. Um, let's do something. Where would you start sourcing me a deal from? I'd probably st- first instance would look at my pipeline mm-hmm. and think, right, okay, what numbers is this person after? What type of returns is this person after? Can I reappraise some of the deals that I was quite close to that didn't stack at that time with another investor for this investor? Quite often, sometimes I always get one or two that creep back up to the top and think, you know what? Yeah, this this deal could actually work for this investor. We go through, go ahead with that. I'll put an offer forward or share the details over to that investor. And the second way that I like the most is I'll just text a few agents that I know on a really good level mm-hmm. and say, this is what I'm after. Please keep on the lookout for me. Have you got anything? And then finally, I'll just have a quick little search on right move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with right move ones, it's nice and easy. I just share the links over with the investor. 
talk them through exactly what they want to do. Um, right move properties, I, I don't really charge sourcing fees on because it's not a lot of work for me to do. Um, all I'll do is I'll just go and view it, put an offer forward and then pass that over to the investor. The true value for me and where I make sure that the investor understands is 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 where I, is the project management fee and what value I provide at that stage. Mm-hmm. So what's your what's your typical sourcing fee as a so percentage? Sourcing fee standard probably about 2k. 2k. You don't do it as a percentage it's just a flat no, fee. No, just a flat 2k mate. Um and that probably is just because of of the type of deals that I look at. Um okay. they get they start getting bigger obviously when you start going into land and what have you then maybe you look at it as a percentage but for me a 200,000 pounds house is no more work than a 50,000 pounds house. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. the same process. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's your what's your typical project management fee so i generally charge 10 percent of any works that i manage so if that's the refurb if that's the furniture if that's the surveyors if that's the architect i'll just charge a 10 percent uplift and i'll manage all of that on my end is there ever a incentive for you in terms of because i know with my project manager what i did with my project manager it was 10 percent of the build costs but uh, obviously, if I said to someone it's 10% of the build cost, they're going to try and get the build cost as high as they can because they're going to make 10% of that. But we put a little caveat on that to say that if it came in under, say, £55,000, there'll be another £1,000 on top of there for you because you've saved a sex amount. Do you ever do anything like that with your not investors? Really, not really, man. Not really. Not, never really had that. Um, I think... The, the I think there's 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 a lot of touch points that I have and there's a lot of detail that I have where I look into things where I'll get caught out straight away if I'm running up the bills. I'll get caught out in massive ways. Like, you know, on the second project, I, I was videoing the project every week. So it was just, I had so many different touch points of accountability to make sure that the project wasn't going too bad or going too long. So... Yeah, not really. I think my I think my accounting side of me makes sure that the the numbers always come back to where I said they were going to be. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good idea, and I would I would honestly welcome it if an investor was to put that to me. I'd, I would I would certainly take it. If anything, it's a little bit more incentive for me. Um, mm-hmm. But no, we've not we've never really had that in place. Maybe you should propose it to them next time. I'll, I'll take that away, mate. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Because it's just, I felt you're obviously very credible in the sense that you don't need to do that. Because you know you're 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 a savvy buyer. You're making sure things are coming in at a decent cost. You're you you. I can tell from speaking to you that you're treating every single project like it was your very own baby. Oh, that yeah, you absolutely. So when you're doing that, you're already going to be watching the cost. But I don't think everybody's like that. And I think when you're working with someone for the first time, maybe it is nice to incentivize them. So that's the only reason. Yeah, I probably will propose that because I imagine if an investor was to hear that from a project manager, then and yeah, I'd like to think they'd get impressed. Yeah, yeah, because it impressed me when <laughs> when my guy suggested it to me. Oh, I was wow, like, okay. hey, you're going to get it in lower for me. And to be fair, the guy, the guy absolutely blew it out of the park. You know, like uh, the costs were fantastic. He was looking at every single cost, trying to find the best, best price for everything. And I think there was only one time where he was a little bit high on something, but that was just me being picky and doing a quick Google search for exactly the same product number and finding it for mm-hmm. you know thirty pounds cheaper. And when you're buying six of the same things, thirty pounds yeah. adds yeah, up, up, you know. Up. Absolutely. 
So, Seth, one of the things I wanted to move on to is I heard you on a podcast with somebody else and you mentioned, uh, we were talking, they were talking about meditation and you mentioned uh, prayer. Prayer is very, very important for you. You pray five times a day. Uh, you're, you're from the Muslim belief. Um, what I want to ask you was, um, how, how has your faith in your religion helped you in your journey? I think... I think our, my faith generally teaches me a lot of discipline about how to be as a character. And the one thing with with the property game, there's two sides really. One is the is the side where the network is fantastic and everyone's willing to share as much information as possible. And the other side is really dirty. You've got that many crooks, people trying to spark you out of the game. Um, steal deals from under your nose and different things like that and the one thing that being a Muslim has taught me is you're not I'm not answerable to anyone here I'm answerable to the, to my God mm-hmm. and if I was to do something wrong or you know undersell a deal or say if uh, a refurb was actually 10k but say it was 4 grand right that's me that's me making that intention to to cheat and lie to someone. So where I said I struggled in sourcing because I was too honest in some instances, that was my faith coming through there. That was my discipline coming through there. And the one thing I, I'm so, so grateful to have that because if, if I went down that route, I probably wouldn't be here now. I probably wouldn't have that first HMO. And I probably wouldn't be in a position where I can talk really confidently and openly about how honest I generally am. And, and, the the one thing with me is that it's, it's there's just no bullshit in everything that I say. I'll, I'll you know if you were to if let's say James if you were interested and you wanted to see anything that was going on in, in, in and you, you were doing HMOs you could be doing a HMO two streets away from me and I would not even shy away giving any more extra information to you. I'll give you the same information if you were doing that HMO in London or if you were doing it two streets away from me because it, if anything, like the one thing that my granddad always taught me was. It's a small thing. So we, us Asians, we love our rotis, we love our chapatis and, and that sort of thing. And my granddad always said to me, if you get your two roti, your two chapatis on your plate, don't go out hunting for that third one. You're getting your two. Stick to that. Right? And it stuck with me. It stuck with me from, since day done. And um, yeah, it's faith, is, faith has taught me massive, massive disciplines that has caused me to change directions and change strategies for something that sat right with me like another thing is uh you know it's the old idea of angel investment um some individuals you know they you've got sharia compliant methods of actually going into investments some individuals shy away from providing an interest on a loan because it's probably not the right way from a muslim perspective hence why i've generally gone down the 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 split share project, uh, JV route of having a share in your profits because that's the that's the one way that is is allowable from a Sharia compliant perspective. So it's it's um and ahhing really as to how you how you want to how you want to do it. But faith has faith has changed me in massive ways and and changed my decisions. Now you just got to answer my second question there because you know I, I'm from the Sikh faith and down here I have a lot of Muslim friends as well and. We do have a lot of debates and one of the debates we have is about mortgages 
and yeah. mortgages and the whole whole concept of interest. And I think for you might have to clarify this a little bit more better than me, but for all the listeners that don't know, um, am I right in saying, like you said, uh, interest is 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 it frowned upon or how, how does it well, work well it is, there's two there's two different sort of like methodologies and it, it all depends on how strict you are within the religion um it you know from you speak to some scholars and they'll say that there's no other way for you to buy a house without a mortgage in some instances so in them instances right okay interest in that in that style is fine i think that that the interest that is frowned upon is loan interest is when you are actively paying interest out. You're earning interest is when right. it's perceived as if we're taking advantage over somebody else's position. That we're 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 um, what's it called? We're making money on money that is not ours. Whereas we're making a bigger piece of the pie later. Hence, why it's always down the route of you don't charge interest. You you split the profits. If you if I was getting ten percent of of if I was offering 25% of the profits to that investor and they had no JV or whatever, but that amount still equated to, let's say, the equivalent of 10% a year, that's how I would word it to that investor. For right. it to sit right. right with me. Because then the risk sits on both sides. Mm-hmm. It sits mm-hmm. on my side and it sits on their side. Um, so yeah, it, 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 mortgages, is, mortgages is probably something I'm okay with in my eyes. But the, mm-hmm. the thing that I'm just not comfortable with at any point is is having angel investment with an interest attached. I'm all for angel investment by giving equity away, giving a, a share of the profits. But just, yeah, interest and, and, and loan interest is at the minute for me as a faith. And it's, you know what, mate? You're the first person that's ever asked. And it's, it's something that is... It's, it, it's not interesting in, in property because loan interest is, is an angel investment is the way forward and ever, the way everyone grows. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it comes back to the thing of, of embracing what barriers you have and trying to think of other ways to get about it. Um, and project management was, was that way to get to there without going knee deep and, and, and swallowing some of my morals. Yeah, no, that's it's a question I wanted to ask you because uh, I asked my uh, friend here, Abdul, who runs an IT department. We're constantly having this debate over dinner and cups of tea, uh, where he's uh, he's like, James, you know, I, I can't do this deal because I don't physically have the money in the bank. I haven't earned it. I'm not taking a mortgage. I'm not taking a loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I can't come in with you on this one, and we were constantly it's just back and forth. So I appreciate you you sharing that with the listeners because it's it's very important for somebody to understand that even with a barrier there, you have not compromised your morals, you've not compromised your faith. And let's be fair, you could have got up to deals a lot, lot quicker doing it the way of interest and doing it in the in the kind of typical way people do stuff. But again, you know, faced with another barrier, you've not you've not just stopped at a barrier, you kind of diverted around it and fixed mm-hmm. it and made it work for you. I think personally, faith is very, very important. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't believe in a God, but for me, Faith's very important as well, just like yourself, you know, uh, there's a constant daily prayer. And I do feel when you pray, things happen, magical things happen. You know, I had a issue with an auction purchase recently where last minute there was a, a lease issue and I prayed about it. And I, you know, I prayed, people might think this is pretty sad, but, you know, I prayed to God and I asked him for, I asked him for his help. And I said, listen, if you feel I've been shortchanged on this, 
do something for it to be good for me you know make make get me out of this situation that i'm in lo and behold 30 minutes before we're due to complete and the exchange happens the other side makes admission to lying on their tr6 form you know and don't want to get sued and you think okay maybe a clever solicitor would have got you through that but i think was it the weeks of praying prior or the weeks of faith or the connection to the lord that made you get through that journey or or kind of built you and got you out of that situation and helped you through it absolutely absolutely completely agree with you no that's good man i'm I'm with you on the whole faith thing it's very important to me and uh, like you man I, i can't shortchange someone uh and uh if i've even thought about doing it something will <laughs> happen or something will come over me and say, Absolutely. what the hell are you doing, man? What, what are you doing? This isn't you. So leave it out. Um, Seth, I want to ask you about um, like something you touched on. There's a lot of crooks out there. There's people that would nick your uh, deals. Have you had any bad experiences so far? Yeah, I had, few, had a few. Um, had a few. One of the ones is just standard uh, direct vendor deal sourcing it out, put it on a couple of WhatsApp groups, trusted a few people with the information without NDAs. Lo and behold, the vendor's now being contacted with letters and, and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, it was just, there's, um, I think it's not being naive enough to, to trust anyone and everyone. Um, it's all well and good at being a, a nice, happy selling world, but there are, there are lots of crooks out there. Um, yeah, just I've I, one thing I've found as well, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but the, the, one of the most dangerous things that I've realized is social media as well at the same time. As positive as it can be, it is the most dangerous thing and the most, like, the, the biggest place where you can find just shitloads of bollocks. People just talking bollocks. Mm-hmm. You know, all money out here, all money out there, this and that, and it's, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some there's some fine people out there that have mastered it and they are doing it well, and you can see they're doing it well. But then you get some people that are buying a place and spending twenty grand on it, and then their HMOs going up in a hundred thousand pounds in value. Like, come on, mate, who are you talking to here? And um, yeah, it's just that for me, it took a long time to realize that some of the people that I was probably thinking were doing well, you know, all it takes is that really dark time in your journey. For you to see where no investors are coming to you, no deals are being accepted, and all of a sudden you've got this guy, this young lad up in Manchester called Seth, right? And he all he does is he just posts on his Instagram that, yeah, we've just had another deal accepted. We've got another deal accepted. Or we've got another investor. We've got 10 investor calls lined up for this week. And you think, what the hell is this guy doing that I'm not doing? And um, sometimes when you when you drill into the details in some people and you 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 understand what's going on like i spent a bit of time with some investors that i thought were were, were flossing it and they were killing it when you go there and you see the properties in the flesh and you think you know what yeah i, I wouldn't rent this if i was myself and i was a tenant but what the hell's going on here um and you only learn that like you know i could take a i could take a picture on instagram and I've I've actually got a picture really where we, we were dressing a HMO and it was sort of sort of midway uh, still through snagging where this side of the room was beautiful and stunning behind me was just boxes upon boxes built up right mm-hmm. you know you go into some places I went into one where um, everything looked slick on Instagram everything was wicked right but you go around there and you see cla- 
uh, you see cracks around the light switches around the plug sockets you see missing <laughs> bits of plaster and you think come on what's going on here you know what i mean I had a very sim. I had a very very similar experience on a on a on a on a kind of a open day, so to say. I'm not going to name any names, but I might have a chat with you after after this one. But <laughs> that's one of the things I noticed as well. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, a picture. You know, a picture paints a thousand words, so they say. You know, for me, it was just accepting. You know what? When I started realizing that. That was, that was, for me, in my head, you know what? I do not give a shit about anyone that's out there. I'm hustling the way I want to hustle now. You grind on, you go about it. You keep everything nice and clean with a, with a really clean intention. And you know what? God gives back. God gives you. And, 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 and that's, that's generally what's got me through everything. Mm-hmm. I say it as well to all the... Partly the reason why me and, me and Ted do the Property Duo uh, podcast mm-hmm. on a, a live show on a Thursday is... It's like it's to cut the bullshit out. There's a lot of people with a lot of shit out there and there's a lot of newbies in property that are getting stung for thousands and thousands of pounds for information that's free. And one of the things we do is try and cut that bullshit and try and help as many people as we can. And we've actually had it. We've had a few course course providers reaching out to us saying, guys, what are you doing, man? Why, why are you giving this shit away for free? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like because somebody gave it to me for free. Yeah. Why should I charge off it? Absolutely. If we ever put a course together, we want it to be such a shit hot course that when someone signs up to it, they get so much damn value from it that they're singing from the high hills saying, you know what, I bought a course and I'm I'm really flossing because I've learned this from it, I've learned this from it, I've learned this from it. Not I've learned something that I could have found on YouTube, mm. you know, or or found openly out there. What's your opinions on course providers, training, education and mentors? I'm of the exact same opinion of what you have just said there. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 there is so much going on until you truly, truly, like I'm, I'm actually, I've been so against it. And I had a very interesting experience a year into my journey. So this is a year into me. So the, at the time of when I've got back into sourcing now, having delved into four or five different other strategies and it's, it was towards the end of 2018, I think it was. Yeah, there was a there was a, a course, a two-day free course by a guru that's pretty big on YouTube. Uh, no names mentioned. And it was free. Reason I went was um, I wanted to show my missus what I was doing. And I didn't want to spend any money on it. So we picked the free one, being the standard Asian thing, bro. You know what I mean? And uh, picked the free one. We went there. And I kid you not, the guy was one master salesman. What he did to people was just unbelievable. If you have not seen it in your flesh, you cannot appreciate it. Right? Unbelievable salesman. To the end of it, at the end of the two days, my missus is prodding me. Come on, Seth, I'll buy it for you. Just do it. I'll buy it for you. Come on. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. So what, I, what I'm saying is I spent two days. I probably learned one thing, and that was a really, really good thing, that one thing that I learned. So I, that was my, like, joys out of it. I wasted two days to learn this one thing, and I was pretty happy. But that two days made me realize that why the hell am I wasting my time trying to find out stuff that I probably already know? already or i've heard from a conversation from somebody telling me or i know that i can pick up the phone and speak to james and james will have experience of that and i know he won't shy away helping me at that moment at that point was the ultimate light bulb in my head where i said no more cost providers no more 
courses, no more nothing. I am strictly networking and just getting on with stuff at this point. And then now, only now, am I actively thinking about joining a mastermind session. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, potentially, hopefully, if everything goes well and it gets accepted, it's a, it's a mastermind session with B-Space uh, and a couple of other guys. But these are people that I know are actively they're doing well on their level. They're yeah. well, yeah. well sought out professionals in the industry that I am. I've done the research around that to understand and make sure that everything is ticking. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a place that I want to be. But before then, it, it, it just, you know, really, really think about what this person can share and what this person can teach you that you and your network cannot teach you already. And it, that like everything, I, everything I've learned about HMO James is all come through other people. Nothing has yeah. come through a course. Zilch has come through a course. Everything has come through people. Mm-hmm. I've been on a course and then realized, shit, I already knew that. What the hell am I doing here? You know, why am I still sat here when I could be actively doing it and then learning the mistakes from there? And that's that like my journey just went from just literally wasting time, wasting time, wasting time, wasting time, boom. Since then, it's just been lesson upon lessons upon lessons every single day. How do I do this? Oh crap, let me ring this person. He's done it before. Yeah, how did you structure this JV? You know, that sort of thing. Real honest 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 knowledge that you're learning from people but that's just purely by networking yeah yeah no i hear you man i hear you i've uh i'm not really involved in any courses i openly say i am i am on a mentorship program with Susanna cole because i think she's fantastic in what she does mm-hmm. people have mixed opinions on her you know it was a nine touch point thing before i just decided to commit i needed someone to hold me accountable and massively hold me accountable because I'm one of these people that will move on several deals at once and I need a professional second opinion or a third opinion from someone who's, you know, done well in the game to have, to keep me, almost keep me in check and keep me in reign. I'm not there to kind of grow any particular strategy. I'm there more so to get my systems processes Uh, all in place and to have the, have the foundation set because I'm, let's do the deals and worry about the foundations later. And I openly know that's a, that's an issue for me. So Seth, it's been great talking to you, man. Really has been great. I'm so glad we connected and uh, it's like I'm talking to a friend on the phone and uh, no doubt we will connect again. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I'm looking forward to it, mate. Thank you very, very much for having me on. Drop no problems at all, man. It was a very, very deep conversation <laughs> than I thought it was going to go, but man, I really enjoyed that. It was good. It's my pleasure, man. I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you um, one thing. Your room behind looks really HMO-y. Like, you know, it's been designed, <laughs> hey, really, I swear it's to been God. designed really well. These greys and yellows don't sing on Instagram for a reason. I'll tell you that, mate. <laughs> man, I was going to yeah. say, it's, uh, this could be one of your HMO rooms. Yeah, well, it could potentially be, but the, hopefully the cop behind me doesn't give it away. Uh but um, no, my HMO, everything from an interior perspective is all done by my missus. Um, she chooses the colours. She chooses what combinations of pillows and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, she's done, a, she's done a pretty good job of the room. I was going to say, because I was looking at that arrangement of photos on the wall and I thought, nah, Seth hasn't done that. That's, that's oh, gonna there's work. no chance I've got that, admiry. I'll tell you that. There's no chance. <laughs> So, Seth, if, uh, if people want to reach out and connect with you and ask you questions, where is the best place to find you, man? The best place is Instagram. Um, that's probably the place that I live the most. Um, you can find me at Seth Rehan, S-A-I-F-R-E-H-A-N. Um, I share everything on there. You've got 
videos upon videos of like of what I've done is I've filmed the start to finish of my HMO project week by week, 10, 15, like 10 minutes each week. So you probably got about a two hour movie marathon there if you wanted to sit down and just spend your time. So I like to give a lot of value. Don't sell, don't do none of that. And if anyone ever, ever wants to come down to Manchester, meet me, see our projects, go for a coffee, you are more than welcome to. Please do message me. No, that's great, Seth. I mean, I actually lived in Manchester for four years myself when I was at university. Great time. I'm due to come up there soon, so I'm going to have to take you out for a curry on the old famous uh, Irasho. (laughs) You tell me when you're coming and I'm going to take you to some food spots, mate. I'll tell you that. Uh, It's great stuff, buddy. I'm going to finish it there. Thank you very much for connecting again. And guys, if you got value from this podcast, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Do I ask one thing, just jump onto the Apple podcast and leave us a review. That's only one thing I ask for this value is a nice little review and a five star. But Ferdinand, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.